0: Percy, I'm sure you've played the game where one person whispers something in another person's ear and that person whispers what they think they heard to another person. you played that, haven't you?
1: Oh, man, have I ever. It's an interesting exercise in how communication can quickly break down, isn't it? Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, I once read a quote from uh, George Bernard Shaw that said this, and I think it is so apropos with regard to this question or this thought, and that is the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place, Mm. quote, unquote. And so I think miscommunication or poor communication happens a lot with the cancer community as well, not intentionally. And so uh, let's talk today about cancer language and its common and in some cases not so common terminology. Yeah, something a little different today. This is going to be very, very helpful. Stay with us.
0: The following program is produced and sponsored by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. My name is Wayne Shepherd, our host is Pastor P, Percy McRae, National Director of Specialized Outreach at City of Hope. Where did this idea come from, Percy, uh, that we should uh, step through the lexicon of cancer terms today?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I work with a broader team uh, at City of Hope, uh, a communication team, a creative team, and we have a writer who writes blogs for the organization around certain topics of cancer and so uh, I'm on his email chain where he sends those out to have us look at them and so on and so forth. And so he wrote a blog with regard to c- cancer terminology. And I thought, what a great concept and idea that we could turn this information into a show. And so with that, you know, we're always thinking uh, what type of topics and subjects would be helpful for for this audience and platform And I think and having been through this process and spoken with many cancer patients, many of them struggle with cancer terms and and language and not understanding and feeling a little confused and dazed. So it was really driven from that blog, which we were given permission to utilize uh, uh, all of the information that we'll talk about today is excerpt from that blog accordingly. So Uh, that's where the idea came from. So I have to give credit where where credit is due there. Right.
0: Well, this promises to be very interesting, very educational here today. So I Mm. encourage you to stay tuned. But as you listen, don't worry. Uh, about taking notes, because uh, we have summarized what we're going to talk about in our featured resource, Make It Make Sense, Cancer Language, and you'll find that at healthhopeandinspiration.com. And by the way, thanks to those of you who have written to us at the website with questions and comments. Uh, let's take a moment right now before we get into our, uh, our main feature here today, Percy, and look at one of these comments. This person from Salt Lake City, Utah says, love your podcast. Why does
1: chemotherapy sometimes cause hair loss? It's a great, great question, and this question really will apply to some of the things that we'll talk about uh, in, in this show and, and a subsequent show around cancer terminology. But according to the American Cancer Society, or ACS, hair loss may occur because chemotherapy damages cells that are dividing rapidly. That's the key phrase to this, this response. To, to cells that are dividing rapidly, or as I've heard people uh, describe fast-growing cells, or dividing rapidly, including both cancer and hair follicle cells. Hmm. Everyone does not experience hair loss during chemotherapy. Oh, is and it's right? important okay. for people to hear that That's a, as a disclaimer. The ACS also states that some individuals may start to lose their hair within a few weeks of starting their uh, their treatment, if hair loss occurs, it's usually because it becomes more visible one or two months after starting chemotherapy. Okay. Again, the American Cancer Society also says that scalp hypothermia. This is the first time that I've heard of this, and this is can be located on the American Cancer Society's website. That scalp hypothermia yeah. may reduce hair loss. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Hypothermia. Uh scalp hypothermia is is the cooling of the scalp with either ice packs or cooling caps or cold caps for a period of time before, during and after each chemotherapy. Chemo treatment to try to prevent or reduce hair loss. Interesting. So very yeah, yeah. very much so and I, I was aware of the dynamic of the uh, dividing cells or fast-growing cells that are impacted or can be impacted in some cases uh, by certain types of chemo, which is then what creates uh, the hair loss. And so great question. Hopefully that helped to answer some things. And if you want to really dig deeper into this, there's more information available available please go to the American Cancer Society's uh, website and just look up hair loss with regard to chemotherapy. They list a, quite a plethora of information that will, will give you more insights to this question.
0: Very helpful. Thank you, Percy. And thanks to our listener for posing the question. You can reach us at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on connect to type in a question or comment. healthhopeandinspiration.com. Okay. Before we get into this diagnostic language uh, list here today, uh, let's turn to God's word. And, uh, Here's some some important words from Scripture.
1: Yep, here's a great principle that will be applied to today's conversation. It's found in Proverbs chapter four verse seven, and it says this: "Wisdom is the principal thing; hmm. therefore, in all you're getting, get." Understanding and the way that we want to apply this scripture to today's conversation, and we'll have a, a subsequent follow-up conversation. Today we're going to talk about diagnostic terms, okay. and then we'll do another show that will talk about treatment terms. Good, okay. But but the but the point to be made here is that this scripture is helping us to understand that you know whenever we're engaging in whatever and whomever we need to get some wisdom on the situation, and what's important is that we should get some understanding. And today I think. That it would be important for anyone in the cancer community, either a patient or a caregiver, that would get some insight and understanding around some of the terminology and language and verbiage with regard to cancer. And in this in today's case, We're going to talk about diagnostic terminology.
0: And we'll start that in just a moment, so stick with us. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope with locations from coast to coast. Their team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals. There are volunteers and support staff, all united by their desire to find cures and save lives. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. This is a national network, and it also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about City of Hope or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-4673. City of Hope uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, there is so much language and terminology one must decipher when entering a
1: cancer conversation. How do you navigate all this stuff? Yeah, that's a great question, my friend. And so, uh, you know, I'm not so sure, to be perfectly honest with you, Wayne, that everyone actually manages that information or manages it well. And that's exactly the reason why, you know, providing some basic definitions of the more commonly used phrases associated with a cancer diagnosis, you know, a lab result. Uh, or pathology report is really important to discuss today. So you're going
0: to focus on diagnostic
1: terms today for us to review, right? Yes, sir. That's correct. These terms will also help formulate, you know, possibly some questions also before people uh, actually sit down and have a conversation with their physician. So here we go, you know, and yeah, this is important. Uh, And again, I want to make sure that uh, I say as a disclaimer, this is not an exhaustive list at all. And so uh, we'll have show notes for this, as we talk about all the time. And I'll also, uh, will attach to this show, the actual blog that oh, this good. information was taken from good. that is a, that has so much more information than we could cover, you know, in a short period of time on our podcast. So I just want to make sure I put that out there. Okay. So what's number one on the list? So number one is a term that many people may or may not have heard. It's called abnormal or atypical. Abnormal Or atypical. And you'll typically see this if you're reading through your diagnostic notes. You know, many of us now have access to our uh, portal where we can see our medical records, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you may see this term abnormal or atypical. And by definition, this word simply means uh, these may be self-explanatory to some. But uh, an abnormal or atypical lesion or growth anywhere in or on the body may not be cancerous. It may be benign or non cancerous, mm-hmm. precancerous or pre malignant, like or likely to become cancer if not treated, or malignant, which then means cancerous. So if you see the term abnormal, or atypical, again, it'll help you to kind of just be able to kind of process that a little bit at the end of the day so that as you're reading through this, and I've read through my medical records, it it, it can be daunting at times trying to jump through some of those gymnastics. Yep. Uh, this is the first term that we want you to kind of be a little familiar with.
0: Yeah. Well, even as we start the list, I'm thinking, you know, doctors do such a great job, but sometimes it is hard to follow along, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it really is. It, it truly is. And sometimes our docs, you know, they they have a schedule that they're trying to keep, and they may go a little bit quicker than we would like sometimes. And so we may still walk away from a conversation not really being clear about exactly everything that was stated to us. So hopefully this will help give you a little cheat sheet here, if you will.
0: Yeah, and hopefully the doctor is a type of person that when you say, whoa, can you stop and explain that, they're more than happy to do so.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. Number two on the list.
1: Yep. Uh, and this is a term I don't think many people are familiar with this. I've been familiar with this term for quite a while, and it's an interesting term. It is apeptosis. Apeptosis. Yeah, I've never heard of uh, this. Yeah, and it's an interesting term. And in this process, it is basically helping us to understand old or damaged cells that die off. It's really the process of cell cellular death is what okay. it is. all right. Yeah, and, and, and in order to make room for new cells. Hmm, interesting, right? Yeah. And so, cancer cells evade uh, apoptosis and grow unchecked when untreated or when treatment fails. And so, apoptosis is the is the death of cells that take place to make room for new cells. So, you may see that in, uh, in a report, but you will have no idea what that term means. Mm-hmm. So, again, the process of old or damaged cells that die off in order to make room for new cells.
0: Yeah. Well, as they say, information is knowledge, right?
1: Yes, sir. It is indeed.
0: (laughs) So that's very helpful. Okay. We're running down this list. And by the way, again, you'll find uh, these notes on these things that we're talking about at healthhopeandinspiration.com in our featured resource, which is called Make It Make Sense Cancer Language. All right.
1: Another one. All right. Benign. Benign tumor. Some may be familiar with this term. Some may not be. And this is basically this growth is not cancer and will not likely spread to nearby tissue. So it's basically saying that there may be a tumor or growth there, but it is not cancerous, and it will not spread to any nearby t- tissue. And really what we all want to hear at the end of the day, if we're yeah. talking to our doc, I'll say and it, there's a growth, is that we want to hear the word benign at yeah. the end of the day. Exactly. It, <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: I, I never hear that term without thinking back uh, a number of years now when my wife was diagnosed with a tumor. And mm. when the word came back benign, I mean, I, I just felt like collapsing on the floor in gratefulness. I mean, it was just uh, such good news. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not always good news, is it? Uh, But that's correct. But you like to hear that that word benign. And
1: yeah, that's that's one word you definitely want to hear at the end of the day. That's
0: for sure. And it's spelled B-E-N-I-G-N benign. So just know what that That what that means.
1: All right, our next term is, and I'm sure many, many people have not heard this term, but it's very common within the framework of a cancer conversation from a diagnostic perspective. Okay. And that is Insight To. I-N S-I-T-U. Insight in to. Uh, this is Latin for in its original place. With a carcinoma in situ, abnormal cells are found only in the place where they first formed and have not spread. All right. So, so there's an element of good term, news here, right? That, that's exactly right, that it hasn't moved anywhere, hasn't gone anyplace. And so I'll use my my diagnosis as an example, uh-huh. uh, and and I've shared the story many times, is that both of my doctors— uh, basically sat down and basically said this to me. They said, listen, the bad news is, is that there is a a tumor uh, and a growth uh, in your colon. But the good news is, is that it hasn't moved or spread anywhere. It's exactly where it started or in to. So it's in its original place. It had not broken through the colon wall. It had not spread to any of my lymph nodes. It hadn't spread to any other organ in my body. And again, I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. Wayne, he said, had you waited maybe another two or three months, hmm. he said we may have had a very different conversation wow. because if it had broken through your colon wall, then it would have moved and spread throughout and possibly gone to other organs or into your lymph into your lymph nodes. And so, yeah. insight
0: too. Okay, I don't remember my wife's doctor using the term per se. Probably did, but in in her case, once again. It applies because her tumor, benign tumors, it turns out, had not uh, punctured the lining of her brain, so mm. it hadn't hadn't moved. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, now we yeah, know.
1: So, yeah, absolutely, very important term. And let's go to the next term here: malignant. We all pretty much have heard this term, and that's the big one. You yep. know, we don't want to hear. Right. And again, this term is used to describe cancer cells that grow in an uncontrolled way. That grow in an uncontrolled way, invading nearby tissues and spreading to other parts of the body through the blood and lymph system. And we're gonna talk about lymph uh uh terminology just a little bit. Okay. But malignant basically is it is is that the term is um, you know, the cells have grown in an uncontrolled way and are invading other parts of the body or other tissues, uh malignant.
0: Yeah, and as you indicated, it's it's uh it's a word we hate to see used, don't yeah.
1: we? Yeah. We don't want to see that term. We understand
0: it comes, it comes loaded and. uh, Yep.
1: It it does. It does.
0: But hopefully knowing what these terms stand for and what they mean can really help us all. Okay. So we've gone, we've went through a number of these and let me just pause again and say that these are the diagnostic terms. Later on a future podcast, you're going to share another set of terms with us.
1: That is correct. And so to be clear, we are talking about diagnostic terms. And the resource that we'll make available will be, again, make it make sense, the language of cancer, diagnostic term, terminology. So that's
0: yep. At healthhopeandinspiration.com.
1: Okay, let's continue the list. So with that, then we're going to move to the next term that is associated with the term malignant. And it is the word metastasis. Metastasis. And this term is used to describe cancer that has spread to another part of the body. It has moved. It, it is not in sight to. In sight to is that it is in its original place. Well, when metastasis is taking place, uh, that tumor, where it may have originated, now has moved or spread to another part of the body, uh, to another organ, et cetera, et cetera. And this also is a term that that's not favorable to hear, obviously, because that will tell us that that our cancer or the cancer has, has now taken on some other dynamics to it in terms of movement and direction within the body itself.
0: All right, metastasis.
1: Yes, sir. Next on the list? And next on the list from metastasis will be uh, N-E-O-D. These are acronyms now. N-E-O-D or N-E-D. And they stand for, as an abbreviation meaning, no evidence of disease. Mm-hmm. And you hear uh, me use that term often on the platform here when I'm interviewing people, particularly when they're five years or less outside of treatment. Uh, it Technically, they are not cancer free, technically. They are just experiencing no evidence of disease. Typically, when you get five years and out, and I'm, I'm going on year four now, so I'm counting down the clock here <laughs> that then uh, clinically you can be considered cancer free at that point. But up until that point, uh, the, the way that most clinicians will uh, describe your your clinical condition at that point is that you have no evidence of disease. I've now gone for four years after my surgery where I had no evidence of disease. I, I do tests. I do scans. I do blood work uh, and, you know, and then tells me the state of the union. But, uh, until I get until my fifth year, I am going to be described as having no evidence of disease. So that is N-E-O-D or N-E-D, no evidence of disease.
0: And we'll have to have a celebration when that day comes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, we will certainly, uh, ring the bell and uh, click up our heels and do whatever we need to do. Cause that'll be a great day. That is yeah. for sure. So,
0: I'm going to call just a brief time out here, Percy, because uh, this uh, these definitions can be kind of overwhelming. So we're going to want to take just a brief mental break from them. Let's talk about Our Journey of Hope for a moment. Our Journey of Hope is something you began years ago, is such an effective program involving churches in how to minister to those who are on a cancer journey. So tell me what the latest is with Our Journey of Hope.
1: Yeah. Our Journey of Hope is still very much an ongoing prog- program, free program, that is really important to understand. That basically was designed almost 20 years now. I can't believe how old this program is at this point uh, with the idea of uh, encouraging, empowering and equipping the local faith community and their respective congregations to basically be engaged in the cancer conversation what we know statistically is that uh the last set of numbers that I looked at I think it's 40% of uh men and women at some point are going to be estimated to be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their lifetime i think it's 39.5% if i if i remember that correctly uh one in two one in three people Uh, And then when you take that number, and then when you go inside of a local house of worship, a local church or a synagogue or what have you, and you start looking at those numbers, you know, and I I think about it this way, anytime that I'm out at dinner or in a setting, and there's more than, you know, three people there, I count every third person potentially, when I count that person in the room, they represent from a percentage perspective, the possibility of someone being diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. and Mm so. Uh, we felt that it was important because many of our patients uh, basically came uh, to me when I was still supporting them at the bedside saying, would you come to my local church? Will you do a seminar? Will you do some type of training around how to support cancer patients? And from there, we thought that we would develop a program that would be more formalized to do that for faith leaders and faith communities to start their own cancer care programs or their cancer care Uh, support ministries inside of their local churches. And we have close to, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 churches now that have been trained uh, internationally who have started their own cancer care ministries, and we're grateful for that, that are meeting the needs—mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual—of people inside of their community, their local faith community, and outside of their faith congregations uh, with cancer support accordingly. And talk about helping to meet the needs of your world uh, where they are, uh, as we've quoted Matthew 25, that if you see someone hungry, you feed them. If you see them naked, you clothe them. If you see them sick, you attend to them. That's been mandated to us by at least our holy scriptures from a biblical perspective. And our Journey of Hope has uh, provided free resources that you can sign up for. Uh, training online, virtually. We provide you all of the resources, all of the curriculum free of charge. There is no other shoe to drop. I, I get emails every day. Well, I didn't see anything about the cost because there there isn't <laughs> any information about cost. It is completely and absolutely free. Uh, there is nothing that you are being asked to do or provide to us as an organization. It's a way of saying that we value the faith community. We understand that faith is important to many people and particularly when they are dealing with cancer, faith becomes a very important component that allows people to be supported and to work through, uh, in some cases, the rigors of medical treatment and care. Our Journey of Hope free cancer care leadership training program to the faith community.
0: Such a fantastic program. And I really think the Lord was in it when he gave you this idea in a year, years and years ago, but it is so yeah. necessary today. So thank you for uh, letting us know again about that. Our Journey of Hope information at healthhopeandinspiration.com, of course. Yes. Well, today, we are going through these diagnostic terms, just talking about the language of cancer, just to yep. get uh, to kind of get informed on these things so that we're, we're better prepared to meet the challenges if we are faced with a, a cancer journey. Percy has run through a number of them, and they're summarized in our featured resource, which you can download right now at our website, The Language of Cancer, uh, Make It Make Sense. It's available at
1: healthhopeandinspiration.com. Uh, three or four more of these, Percy. Yes, sir. So the next one is prognosis. Prognosis. We've heard this term. Uh, Are we really familiar with it? Well, we'll we'll make sure that you are at this moment. So prognosis, by definition, is the likely or predicted outcome. I want to emphasize these two words, the likely or predicted outcome over the course of a disease, as well as the likelihood of recovery recovery or recurrence Mm -hmm. one more time Mm -hmm. the likely or predicted outcome over the course of a disease as well as the likelihood of recovery or recurrence and it's interesting Wayne. uh i was just in a conversation in a meeting with uh with one of our physicians just yesterday one of our oncologists and i had not met this particular oncologist before And we were in a training session. We have to do these kind of yearly ongoing kind of trainings around safety and, you know, making sure that we're being respectful and diversity and, you know, inclusion and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, and this particular training module was uh, asking the question around uh, how how can we be more compassionate and empathetic to the people that we serve and how do we handle that and the question was asked of this particular physician you know because sometimes he has to give bad news to patients you know with regard to their prognosis and uh he unpacked and actually started crying on the call on the training call and and said that you know um that that there are days that it is difficult but he feels that it is his duty and it is his obligation morally and ethically and quite frankly legally That, you know, that he give people a very honest response. And he said, but there are sometimes patients, and the point that I want to make here with regard to this, and we've interviewed a few people who have told me this, and I've met people who have told me this, where they tell their doctor, I don't want you to give me a prognosis. I don't want you to give me your likely or predicted outcome. Uh, let's just get a tri- treatment regimen. Uh, we'll work through that one day at a time. But I don't want to hear a, a predicted outcome. I'm going to choose to believe X, Y, or Z. And I don't want that to be in the back of my mind. And uh, and and I thought it was very interesting because that could create a dilemma for a, a medical doctor who who wants to make sure that the patient is being informed as much as possible around a prognosis. So I thought I would share that story.
0: Good. I'm glad you did. I really am. All right. Another term is remission. I think most of us probably know what this means. It's it's good news, right?
1: It is good news. Absolutely. It is a decrease, a decrease in or disappearance of signs and symptoms of cancer. In partial remission, in partial remission, some but not all signs and symptoms of cancer have disappeared. Hey, woohoo. hoo <laughs> uh in complete remission all signs and symptoms of cancer have disappeared although cancer still may be undetected in the body and that's the one caveat yeah there's always
0: a possibility sure
1: yeah with regard to this school of thought remission at the end of the day if we could just quickly summarize it but you know there's there still could be the potential and the possibility that at some point there is an undetected trace of cancer uh floating around But from a diagnostic perspective, we we don't see anything. We can't can't say that with any type of definitive uh, perspective that there is something there. And so that's really where the term remission becomes a little tricky and interesting. But the idea of it is at the end of the day, it it certainly is good news uh, by and large, for sure. No question about that.
0: And then we often hear about the stages of cancer. Can we talk about that for a moment, define that?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's an important term. And again, I think it's a term that some people, again, are comfortable with, so a term that some people are not comfortable with. But by definition, uh, it is assigned, uh, this is assigned to a cancer, and it uses the numerical system of zero through four, zero through four, uh, when it's diagnosed to signify how advanced one's cancer is. The lower the stage, the better the prognosis. With stage four, meaning the cancer has spread to other areas of the body. And as an example, again, I'll continue to use myself as an example. When I was initially diagnosed, I was diagnosed with early stage one colon cancer. Okay. So, with that being said, then you just progressively go up the chart from there. And so, uh, this helps to kind of give you kind of a mental kind of, you know, just it's sort of like a what is your pain level from 1 to 10 kind of thing, you know. Well, in terms of staging cancer, again, it uses the numerical value system of 0 through 4 to kind of give you a sense of how advanced one's cancer is or is not.
0: Okay, very helpful. And then finally, tumor grade.
1: Yep. Tumor grade is an interesting term, and I don't think, Wayne, that many people— have heard this term or, or are comfortable with this term or familiar with this term. And so I, I kept this one in the list. Okay. And so uh, tumor grade basically by definition is associated with the type of cancer cells poorly differentiated, undifferentiated or well differentiated with a higher grade, meaning the cells will likely grow and spread more quickly. So again, it kind of is, is, is' getting into a uh, another level of of assessing you know what type of cellular activity is going on with with the cancer that's that's at work in your body at that point. And so you know it it' it's, it's just digging a little bit deeper into the weeds if I could use that phraseology, if you will. Mm-hmm. so it's it's going beyond a stage. Uh, it's getting into the the grade level of what's happening on a cellular level with one's cancer from a, a differentiated, undifferentiated uh, perspective of, of grade. Uh, and again, it really is associated with uh, the cell's likelihood to grow and spread more quickly or not.
0: Well, again, that is such a helpful list and definitions of each on the list, Percy. And I encourage our listeners to follow this up by going to the website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. And look for Make It Make Sense, Cancer Language, which reviews everything we've talked about here. And as you said in the program notes, the show notes, you'll also link the blog where this idea came from to define these terms. So all of that is available as a resource, a very helpful resource to anyone who's either going through a cancer journey themselves or has friends and family member who may be. And you want to know what these terms mean. Uh, It's just such a great resource. So thanks for doing this and putting this together, Percy.
1: Absolutely. And so with that being said, again, uh, with our closing thoughts, uh, please bear in mind that neither Wayne nor myself are medical doctors. So I want to make that perfectly clear at the end of the day. And this information is not intended to be used as definitive. In other words, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what you should do is ultimately have a conversation with your medical team, with your medical care provider, with your physician. But every term and its definition as presented today adheres to the City of Hope's medical and editorial policy and guidelines. And so it was extrapolated directly from, again, the blog that was referenced that will be also associated with this. And there is just so much more language and information that's embedded in that actual blog itself. Time simply would not permit us to go through all of that language. Uh, But ultimately, the point for today's show is this is, you know, uh, it's intended to disarm cancer patients and their caregivers from any sense of either confusion or mental overload regarding language and terminology when entering, uh, you know, the undesired world of cancer. That's really the goal here. We're just trying to declutter your brain, your headspace, and maybe help, help to just kind of make it, again, as the statement and the resources title, make it make sense for you at the end of the day. Please be reminded as well as encouraged today, that when pressed into this fight, and no one wants to enter into this this battle, but if you're pressed into this fight uh, with the guidance of your medical team and uh, your clinical plan of care, as well as support from your caregivers, and obviously the utilization of your spiritual practices, whatever they may be, potentially this journey may be managed and overcome It's going to take hard work. It's going to take some some commitment, and it's going to take really kind of getting locked into place. But potentially, your cancer may be beatable, treatable, and survivable. And what we want you to understand is that if you know better and understand more of the terms and the language, that will just assist you better with being able to have a clarity of understanding so that you can move ahead full steam. And so with that, do please hang in there, folks, and fight the good fight of faith because at the end of the day, you're worth it. Hmm. That's the reason why we show up every week for you. And so we close with our spiritual nugget that reminds us Proverbs 4, verse number seven wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, in all you're getting, please get some understanding.
0: Take care. God bless. You've helped us get some understanding today, Percy. God bless you, and thank you. And on a future podcast, we'll continue this series with looking at treatment language. So watch for that coming up in the future here on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Percy, God bless. Thanks for doing this, and I look forward to talking again.
1: Yeah, in plain language and terminology, hang in, hang on. We've got <laughs> work to do. Keep chopping the wood. Love you guys. Be well and take care until the next time. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Our hospitals in California, Georgia, Illinois, and Arizona are dedicated to making a difference in the lives of cancer patients. Our team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, and volunteers and support staff, all united by our desire to find cures and save lives. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing, state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies like spiritual support that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. Our national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. Learn more at
1: healthhopeandinspiration.com.